Designated Survivor, which is this show I've just started watching on Netflix, which, who's seen it? Who's seen some of it? Yeah, it's a good show. Recommend it. Basically, there's this terrorist attack um, on Capitol Hill in Washington, leaving the whole parliament dies. The president dies, the vice president, a whole bunch of people die, leaving this one guy, um, this average politician called Tom Kirkman, who's the designated survivor, which basically means if everyone dies, he's the guy in charge, and he kind of becomes president without even realising it. But imagine for a moment, right, imagine for a moment if something kind of similar happened. Imagine if all the leaders at EV Youth suddenly were in an accident and they died. I'm not saying that EV Youth's like America. I mean, everyone knows that EV Youth trumps America, right? But, but imagine for a second, right, imagine, imagine that that happened, like as devastating as that would be. And suddenly God said to you, you are now in charge of EV Youth. What would you do? How would you lead this thing? Um, any, anyone want to shout out any ideas? What would you guys do? Hope you're in the accident. Wow, okay. Yeah. Ooh. Churn boys, okay. Churn boys. So what was that? What was that? Get help from other churches. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good, idea. good ideas. Um, maybe you can chat about it later. I'm going to pray. We're going to kind of think about that though. Uh, over this talk. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Um, thank you that it's good and that you speak to us. And I pray uh, that you'd help me be faithful to it now uh, so that we might be able to see you more clearly and help us to listen and help us to see just how awesome your plan is and how awesome our Savior is. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we've been looking, as Sally said, at the book of Numbers this term. Uh, just, it's a bit of a crazy story, right? So God's people, they've been rescued uh, out of Egypt. They're heading towards the promised land called Canaan. Canaan. Um, but it's kind of like, as we've seen, it's kind of like being rescued from a North Korean prison camp. You know, these guys under Egypt, they've been whipped and they've been in slavery. They've been getting um, you know, not much food and, and their babies have been killed. So they've been rescued from a horrendous situation, kind of like North Korea is now. But they're on a journey that should have taken just two weeks, and in fact, it's taken 40 years because they kept disobeying God and grumbling all the time. See, God had been providing for his people. He'd been making it grain, um, providing food and water for his people, and they kept grumbling, and they got so close to the promised land. Remember, they sent 12 spies into the promised land. They're like, wow, this is amazing. Like this fruit, it's like five times bigger than you get anything from Harris Farm. Like this is incredible. It's so good. Except 10 of the spies were like, oh, there's some kind of big dudes there, though. Uh, we probably shouldn't go in there. They're probably going to kill us. Except for two of these 12, Caleb and Joshua, we saw a couple of weeks ago. They're like, hang on, guys. We've got the God of the universe with us. He's destroyed like the Egyptian army in the River Nile. So in the Red Sea, sorry. He's, destroyed, he's sent plagues through the River Nile. He's done a whole bunch of crazy stuff, which we've seen. He's provided for us all the way through. Of course, God will be faithful to his promises. Remember how big God is? We saw this last week, just how awesome God is. He made the universe. And we saw, remember, we saw those things of how small we are. God made all of that. Who cares there's a few big dudes there getting in the way? God's people, they don't listen to Caleb and Joshua. They grumble again. And they're thirsty. God provides water from a rock. They grumble again. Remember, we heard about the snakes in the plain. God had helped, just helped them smash their enemies. And God... God's people grumbled again. They, they grumbled and said, God sent some snakes there. A bunch of people died. They prayed. They looked up to the snakes on the pole and they lived. They looked and lived. 
I remember there was Balaam we saw a couple of weeks ago who grumbled to his donkey and he got shreked. And Balaam, Balaam, he actually, we didn't, we didn't hear about this, but Balaam actually led God's people astray and encouraged them to sleep with a whole bunch of Moabite women uh, who were actually worshipping other gods. And in fact, so God's people, again, were bowing down and worshipping other gods. And so God's people, they grumbled and grumbled again. And God got extremely angry. And he told Moses to actually go and kill a bunch of the leaders that were responsible for all this. But then, so God's people kept grumbling. And God's anger kept being displayed. And yet, on the other hand, God had promises. Remember the promises to Abraham, land, family, blessing? So God, on one hand, he was angry, but yet his promises, and he was faithful to his promises. We've been looking at this over the term. And so that comes us to the passage that Millie read tonight. Open up, back up your Bibles to Numbers 27, or maybe look on with your friend. This is what God says to Moses in verse 12. He says, Go up this mountain in the Abiram range and see the land that I've given the Israelites. After you've seen it, you too will be gathered to your people as your brother Aaron was. For when the community rebelled at the waters in the desert of Zin, both of you disobeyed my command to honor me as holy before their eyes. These are the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the desert of Zin. See, God, he wants to tell Moses that the land, he wants to show Moses the land that he's promised. So he takes him up to this mountain so he can see, so he can see this kind of epic view. There's the promised land. There's where, I want, there's where I'm providing a place for my people. But it kind of sounds like God's a bit of a tease because he says to Moses that he's not going to get there. He says, I'm going to gather you back to your people, like back, back to Aaron, who's already dead by now. He's going to kind of, you know, almost like gathering him back into the cemetery. Like, what's going on there? Well, God, God is saying that because Moses actually disobeyed God. He, he failed to keep God as holy. See, back in chapter 20, when God's people were crying out to water, God told, told Moses how to get water. He said, just go and speak to this rock and water will come out. But, God, but Moses, he, he got so jack of God's people, he getting so angry, he got so angry and frustrated with them, he gets a stick and he just smashes it against this rock a couple of times, not once but twice. He does it the wrong way. Instead of patiently trusting in God, he gets angry. And God said to Moses in Numbers 20, verse 12, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you, Moses, will not bring this community into the land I give them. It seems a bit harsh because God, you know, God's throwing out his wrath on Moses because he didn't, you know, he hit a, hit a rock. What's going on there? And you'd think that maybe Moses would kind of spit the dummy at God. You know, God, you're, you're kind of trolling me. You're showing me this land, and I can't actually get in there. What's going on? Well, actually, surprisingly, Moses is on board with God's plan. Check out verse 15 in Numbers 27. Moses says to the Lord, May the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in, so that the Lord's people will not be like a sheep without a shepherd. See, Moses, he realizes his sin. He realizes because he had a special relationship with God. He heard the voice of God. He, he heard, saw God do a whole bunch of things. He was God's special prophet. He knew just how holy he was. And he knew how much he'd stuffed up. He deserved punishment. 
He deserved judgment. And actually, just by the way, Moses, this isn't an eternal thing. Uh, Moses, we can read later on in the New Testament, Moses actually is with Jesus in heaven. So, Moses, so this is an internal thing, it's just a physical punishment. But Moses, he gets it. He realized that there was a problem. And so he asks, he prays a prayer, asking that God would provide a leader for him. And so what does he do? God graciously answers this prayer. Check out verse 18. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man who is in him, the spirit of leadership, lay your hand on him, have him stand before Eliezer the priest and the entire assembly, and commission him in their presence. Give him some of your authority so that the whole Israelite community will obey him. He is to stand before Eliezer the priest who will obtain decisions for him by inquiring of the Urim before the Lord. At his command, he and the entire community of the Israelites will go out and at his command they will come in. So when in fact the other leaders of the whole generation were wiped out, kind of like the whole parliament in America was wiped out and designated survivor. God, he was so angry. He was so angry that you know, against God's people. They kept rejecting him. God kept providing for them. And they just kept giving the finger to God. And Moses, he's the guy that wrote the first five books of the Bible. He's the guy that, you know, they had this awesome relationship with God. He was going to die. So Israel desperately needed help. And so Joshua is chosen as the designated survivor. Joshua, he's the guy that God was actually preparing and training to lead God's people into Israel. Even before he realized that he had been trained to take over from Moses. He had already led God's people in war. He'd already, he's one of the 12 spies that had gone in to see the giants and the sweet fruit. He'd also been hanging out with Moses for a whole bunch of time. And so he gets commissioned. He gets called in front of all the, the leaders and all the people to take over from Moses. And that's tonight's passage. That's tonight's passage. So I could sit down there and say that's tonight's passage. But God's word speaks to us today. And we're going to see four things about how that affects us. Four things. One of the sweet things about the Old Testament, uh, sometimes the old, I don't know if you read, it, you read the Old Testament, you're like, how does that relate to me? One of the awesome things about it is often the New Testament kind of explains it pretty well. So flick over to Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to see four things. Hebrews just before James in the back of the Bible. All right, the first thing we're going to say while you're flicking there is the central coast is not heaven. The central coast is not heaven. And the central coast, man, what a place to live. Like, how good is it being on the coast? Hands up who's lived on the coast all their life. Yeah, like maybe a bit of a half year. You guys probably don't appreciate this. Maybe some of you do. But like the coast, it's an awesome place. The beaches, you know, the chilled out vibe, the fresh air. And, we can, and also we can get anything we need from, you know, air and a fair. There's not too much traffic. Sometimes people complain, it's not too much traffic. Um, you know, it's been awesome. I've lived here for two years. It's been awesome. Who's seen this sign at Terrigal? Who's seen this one? The seven-day weekend. A few people, I think they've taken it out now. It's, it's advertising at retirement homes. But that's kind of the, the, the lifestyle of the coast. The coast is a place where you can have this seven-day weekend. But the life we live now, it's kind of the, like a grain of sand compared to eternity. The Bible actually says that the seven-day weekend is yet to come. Check out Hebrews 4, verse 8. Hebrews 4, verse 8. It's, so um, the writer of Hebrews says, For if Joshua had given them, given God's people rest, God wouldn't have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. 
See, Sabbath here just means kind of like the weekend, the day of rest. The weekend is when people get to rest and enjoy life from daily grind of school or uni or TAFE or work, whatever people normally do during the week. And so Hebrews is saying that Joshua, whose job is to take God's people into the promised land, Joshua, in doing that, is actually pointing towards a greater rest, another weekend, our weekend which is yet to come, which is in heaven. See, verse 10 says that anyone who enters into heaven will rest just as God rested when he made the world. Now, it's not saying that heaven will be this kind of place of sleep that'll be boring. No, no, it'll be like relaxation, recreation. It'll be the things you do for fun on the weekend, but heaps better. There'll be time to chill, but also there'll be time to party. It's going to be epic. But the best part about it is that the God of the universe will be there. Jesus will be there. All of God's people will be there. We'll see God in all his glory. It's going to be incredible. But guys, are you living right now as if the coast is your heaven? Are you living each week longing for the weekend? Or are you actually looking forward to a time when you'll be there in heaven with all of God's people? There will be a time when there'll be no more sin, no more selfishness, no more hurt, no more brokenness. Do you actually want to be there? You might say it in your head, but actually in your heart, is that where you actually want to go? I mean, imagine if you were to go to heaven tonight. Imagine if God said, that's your plan, heaven tonight. Would you get FOMO? Would you have the fear of missing out? Would you feel like you missed out on a bunch of stuff in life? If you're like thinking you would, or even if you're not sure, guys, your view of heaven is far too small. See, heaven is so much better than this life. Heaven is eternal. Heaven is all the best things this life to the extreme. Heaven's a place of paradise, no sin, no brokenness. And God of the universe is at the center. And guys, do you actually want others to come there with you? Remember, what's the only thing you can bring to heaven? People, people, that's right. The only thing you can bring to heaven is people. So guys, do you actually want to bring others there? Do you actually want to bring your mates there, your family there? That leads us to the second thing that we see. second thing we see from Numbers is that God cares deeply about the next generation. Maybe you can see yourself in there. I don't know if you've ever thought of this, but like when I was a kid, I used to think that the world was made for older people. Like the older people, they're the ones who are important. They're the ones that kind of make decisions, have the most money, have the most fun. Actually, God cares deeply about us. He cares deeply about you. And he cares deeply about the next generation. When I asked you that question at the start, how would you run EV Youth? Not just for kind of fun, but actually God is preparing you, each and every one of you, to run EV Youth in so many ways. You're actually doing that right now. I mean, you, got, you guys are the ones that are doing heaps of ministry. Like the band is pretty much all you, know, all you guys. Um, you know, you guys are doing the welcoming. You guys are inviting mates. You guys, heaps of you guys are serving EV kids. I mean, these guys are about to go and, and help with a primary school sleepover later tonight. Like, awesome. You guys are doing heaps of good stuff, heaps of good ministry. Many of you guys in this room, we pray, will be youth leaders one day. And we pray that you'll be better youth leaders than us. And do you guys know that many of you right now are better equipped to lead churches than many pastors across the world? There's some pastors that don't even have a Bible. 
You guys know that? You guys are so well equipped. So well equipped. You guys could lead churches better than so many people around the world. I met this guy this week who's going to this place. Uh, I can't even say where it is, actually. He's going to this place in Asia where there's about 2 million people in the region. And there's 15 Christians. So there's like 2.2 million people and there's 15 Christians. And he said he's actually excited because for a while there was zero. So it's only recently there's been 15 Christians. You guys, if you learned the language, which you guys can do because you're smart, you guys would be able to share the gospel far better than most of the people there. These guys, hardly any of them have even heard of Jesus. You guys could go to this place in Asia and you could tell these guys so much. You could share with them so much about Jesus and you'd be so equipped to do so much awesome ministry in there. See, God, he cares deeply about the next generation. God was faithful to the next generation back in Numbers. He raised up Joshua, a leader, to be a shepherd to the next generation. He was fulfilling his promise back to Abraham to bless the whole world through his people. He gave, he gave Joshua this priest called Eliezer, who, who Joshua would go to God for help, who could speak on behalf of his people. But for us, right, after Jesus, we're, our situation is different. So we don't need a priest to kind of mediate between us and God. We can go straight to him directly. We've done that already tonight in prayer. And we can go straight. We don't have to wait to, to have the, the priest or the leader to kind of tell us what God says. We've got God's word here. When Millie read the Bible tonight, that was the God of the universe speaking to us. Do you guys realize that? We've got God's word. And so God, he's placed you, he's placed you guys on the coast right now because he cares about the people of the coast. He cares about the next generation. I mean, I can't go to your friends at school, you know, or the guy or girl you surf with, or your brother or younger sister. I can't go and invite them to youth. I mean, I could try, but it'd be a bit awkward. I'd probably I'd get arrested or something. But but you guys, you guys can. Like you guys can bring, you guys are responsible for the life, the health of EV youth into the future. I mean, you guys are seniors. Like the juniors, believe it or not, they look up to you. They look up to you. You guys have an incredible privilege and responsibility to the next generation. God has placed you in a situation to reach a whole bunch of people. Third thing we're going to see is that there's a warning. There's a warning for everyone, even if you think you're a super Christian. You know, when I was a kid, I used to kind of read about um, you know, these guys in the Bible, particularly the Old Testament. I used to think they were heroes. You know, guys like Moses and Abraham and David and, and Joshua. And there's a whole bunch of stuff which is pretty awesome about what they did. But I used to think these guys did nothing wrong. And then I realized that actually they did get a bunch of stuff wrong. Then I kind of thought, well, maybe God didn't care. Maybe they were kind of his favorites and so God just kind of didn't really care about it. You know, cool Moses, sure, just you can go and beat an Egyptian guy to death. He does that. And you know, I'm not really going to care about that. Sure, you can just not listen to me and I tell you to do something and you just ignore it, do something else. And yeah, I'll just turn a blind eye. Yeah, that's cool, Moses. No, that's actually not the God of the Bible. God cares deeply when people reject him, even people like Moses. God is a holy God that anyone who sins, they're unapproachable before God. You might have heard this before. God's kind of like the sun. You, know, you can't get too close. You can't get too close. We can't just approach him on our terms. We'll get burnt up. If you've still got Hebrews 4 open, open that back up. Hebrews 4. 
says, Therefore, the promise of entering God's rest still stands. Therefore, since the promise of entering God's rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found fallen short of it. For we we also have the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they heard, the people back in Numbers, was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. See, God, he's given us this book of Numbers as a great encouragement to us to see how good and faithful God is. But also, he's given us Numbers as a great warning to us. You know, if someone does something in the Bible, it doesn't make it okay doesn't make it okay. If people go and kill people, it doesn't make it okay. Just because it happens doesn't mean it's okay. You need to understand the context. And actually, often, the reason when people do stuff, it's in the Bible because we're actually meant to do the exact opposite. Check out Hebrews 4 verse 11. It says, Therefore, let us make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish following their example of disobedience. So these guys, God's people, back in Numbers, they're an example of disobedience. See, we're not meant to copy them and just grumble about a whole bunch of stuff. No, no, they disobeyed God. But it kind of seems like when he says, make every effort, it kind of seems like he's saying, just try really hard to get to heaven. But you guys know what John 3.16 says, whoever believes in Jesus will not perish but have eternal life. So I think what he's really saying is not just try really hard to get to heaven, but do all you can to make sure you keep trusting in Jesus. Otherwise, you're going to die. Hebrews 3.19 says, you can flick over and read it, it says that God's people couldn't, couldn't enter Israel because of unbelief. So the thing that we should be concerned about is not whether we're good enough to get to heaven. No one's good enough. Jesus made that way for anyone, not because you're good. But the thing we should be concerned about is whether we're still believing and trusting in Jesus. You know, I've got family that are, you know, that are like that, that that used to be trusting in Jesus, that I used to lead on camps with. But sadly, they're no longer trusting in Jesus. You know, you guys have seen, probably seen photos of fat, and they pop up on Facebook every now and then. I showed you one before from last year. But you've seen photos of fat. And there's a whole bunch of people and it just breaks your heart because you're like, where are they now? There's a whole bunch of people that I'm sure a lot of you know that are no longer trusting in Jesus. It's sad. People that said they'd love Jesus, people that would sing loud, people that would come to G-teams, people that would do all the right things are no longer trusting in Jesus. And so what do we do? How do we respond to this? Well, check out, back in Hebrews 3, check out verse 12 and 13. It says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So what's the answer? Encourage each other. How long do you keep encouraging each other? As long as it's called today. Is it still today? Yeah, it's still today. So keep encouraging each other. Sin, it deceives us. It makes us stop believing and trusting in God. And so we need each other. We need all of us because the Christian life is hard. We need all of us to keep pointing us back to God, to get us, encourage us to come to youth, to come to G-teams. We don't bang on these things for fun, but actually because God commands it to us. God gives us each other to encourage each other. You know, our world, it wants to drift us away from God. It tells us that we can just live for ourselves and then we'll be happy. 
Satan, he whispers in our ears and he tries to trick us into thinking that the way of life before trusting in Jesus, or if we just stopped doing some things for Jesus, then our life would be better. Sure, our life would be easier if we could just do whatever we want and drink whatever we want and date whoever we want and, and do whatever with whoever we want and think whatever we want about anyone. Sure, our life would be easy. My life would be a real breeze if I could do that. But just because it's easier doesn't mean it's better. And actually, God has made us to live for Him. It's hard. It's hard work. But that's how God has made us, to keep trusting in Him and living a life of sacrifice. So guys, let me ask you this. Who in your life encourages you? Who is there in your life that actually builds you up, that helps you keep going? If you don't have anyone, come talk to us. We'd love to be that person. We'd love to help you and encourage you. But the people that do help you keep going, hang around with them. You know, feed off them. Spend time with them. I've got a mate, my best mate, Josh. I just call him every now and then, and I can just be real with him. It's awesome. And he always encourages me. He always tells me how much he's been praying for me. And he's just a really quality dude. Hang out with people like that. But who in your life could you encourage? Who has God placed in your life, maybe even in this room, that you could help in the Christian walk, that you could help them keep taking steps forward for Jesus? You know, I'm encouraged by you guys. Now, I was encouraged by uh, one of you guys told me that you started reading the Bible with a friend who's not a Christian. I was like, man, that's awesome. I won't embarrass them, but like, I was so encouraged by who that was. Like, it's really good to see what you guys are doing. Keep doing that. Encourage us as leaders. Christian life is hard. You know, just this week, I, I, I prayed with a guy who'd never prayed out loud before. He said he'd never prayed out loud before. And I asked him, knowing, asked him to pray for me, knowing that it was going to be hard for him. But I asked him that because I know it was actually going to be really good for me. Hearing this guy pray out loud for the first time was a massive deal for him. But it was so good to, to see him do that. And he, he loved the fact that I asked him. And it was so good to be able to do that as brothers in Christ together. Encourage each other. Christian life's hard. Here's the last thing. This will be quick. Jesus is our designated saviour. Jesus is a designated savior. That would have more punch if we got to watch the video, but I'm sorry about that. Um, but back under Moses, a whole generation, back in numbers, a whole generation was wiped out and Joshua survived. Can you imagine that? A whole generation of people wiped out. But then Joshua comes along because they need a savior. They need someone to take them to the promised land. So one man trusts God, Joshua. And leads them into the promised land. But 1,500 years later, a man who actually has the same name as Joshua. Joshua in Hebrew, Yeshua. It actually means saviour, Jesus. Same name as Joshua. It means saviour. He comes along and Jesus gets wiped out when the whole generation deserves to. So that future generations will be saved. See, Jesus, he's our designated saviour. He's the one that should have survived, but he got destroyed for us. I mean, we're no better than these guys in the desert. And we grumble, we complain, we deserve to be wiped out like the whole generation was before us. And God, see, the God of the Old Testament is no harsher back then. Sometimes people like to say that. The God of the Old Testament is so vengeful and, and judgmental, but the God of the New Testament is about peace and love, right? That's wrong. It's the same God, same God. The only difference is God has sent Jesus to be the Savior. You know, it's kind of like, you know, if, if God would have, 
if there was a meteor bomb kind of going to hit the earth, Jesus comes and he intercepts it. He takes on the wrath of that meteor bomb so that the earth can be saved. Because God loves us so much that he came into the world to save us so that we can get into the promised land. How good is that? How about I pray?